It's Tuesday. You know what that means. Welcome into Highly Disputed here on WSHC Shepherdstown, the voice of Shepherd University. My name is Dylan Bishop. Along with me, as always, Ryan Stickle. What's going on, Ryan? Uh, you know, just uh, hanging in here, these, this horrible wind today, getting ready for the snow. Um, been looking at the uh, the sports on the, on the ESPN app because it's it's just the basketball season and the NFL off season and you know it's just trying to I have to look seek out the sports at this point of the year. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's, uh, sometimes. it's not just football coming to me and I come in and talk about it now. Yeah. So this is a very special episode here. We have a guest along with us, a serious guest. Not like, you know, the hooligans that rum- rumble into our studio sometimes. <laughs> we have an actual, uh, I'd call him a journalist, along with us today. Uh, we have with us my good pal, John Shipley, Jaguar Report, the Jaguars uh, affiliate for Sports Illustrated. How's it going, John? Hey, I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Uh, just for the record, still a hooligan, but a uh, special hooligan. Profe- yeah, he's a paid <laughs> professional hooligan. Oh, nice. Well, at least you get paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Good to have you, John. All right, so one of the more interesting teams to me this offseason is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Surprisingly, there's not typically much intrigue in Jacksonville. I'm sorry, John. Yeah. You're not, it's not ex- <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> What are you saying, Dark? <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry, guys, blue. No, no, I mean, you're. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're the one that's a Jaguars fan, so I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I cover them. I wouldn't call myself a fan. <laughs> He's a professional journalist, Dylan. Have some yeah, respect. He doesn't have to like them. He just has to watch them. Right. Which, right. I, don't, I don't know uh, if that... As unbearable, as unbearable as that could be. Yeah. So, obviously, we had a few different things go down. So, first of all, uh, they hired a new coach, uh, Urban Meyer former Florida and Ohio State head coach, national championship winning college head coach. Uh, first of all, I want to know, like, what were your initial thoughts uh, when you heard about this hiring? Well, my, my initial thoughts, I don't think I was as low on it as a lot of people were. I know, you know, it, it was kind of met with, I feel like, a 50-50 assessment, you know, by just a national scale. Like, some people were like, Okay, wow. Here's this, you know, one of the best college coaches of all time. Uh, he's going to be paired with Trevor Lawrence, and he knows how to build up a program. Whereas the other half of the people were like, "This is a dude that's never coached in the NFL. You know, he's left his teams after, you know, several years. You know, he's never been the one and done type coach like people weirdly, weirdly keep saying he is. I think he's been at every stop for like five, six years. But I, I definitely understood both sides of it. I kind of came down from the middle. I, I was under the thinking of. If, like, I was in charge of their offseason, I would have pushed hard for Brian Dable from Buffalo. But the entire process, I thought that the second best fit for them was Meyer because of what I mentioned earlier, just the fact that he has success in building a program. And I know a lot of people are going to say it's different, you know, in college and high school because, you know, I mean, in college and NFL, because in college you're recruiting, and in the NFL you're drafting and you're scouting, you're signing free agents. But, I mean, at the end of the day, coaching is coaching, you know. I mean, building – Building a, a program from the ground up and stealing a new culture, it, it's all, you know, it's all relative. And that's something that he's done well in the past. So I think just looking at their available options, I thought he was probably one of the best options they had to hire. Uh, he wouldn't have been the guy I hired, but like I said, I, I still thought he should have been high up on the list. And I understand uh, what, why they did it. Do you, think, uh, do you think he takes the job if Trevor Lawrence isn't coming to town? Not at all. No, and I, I, I think he doesn't even think about it, honestly. I, I, that, that, that's been my entire thing, like, with everybody, you know, even when the Jags had the number one overall pick when Urban was hired, people were still kind of floating out there, uh, Justin Fields, because of, you know, him and Urban both have those Ohio State connections. But, I mean, Ur- Urban, you know, one, never recruited Justin either to Ohio State out of high school or from Georgia because he was retired when Justin actually entered the transfer portal. Urban was already out of the game. And then, uh, you know, he obviously never coached him. But I, I just think that, He's a guy who's likely been enamored with Lawrence for years. I mean, you know, not not just the pro day, you know, last Friday where he it literally worked like looked like a private workout between him and Lawrence. But I mean, even before that, he's talked about seeing him in the college football playoffs the last couple of years and just coming away dazzled by him. So I, I think them getting the number one pick 
and getting the right to pick Lawrence, I think, is the difference maker in them getting a Meyer. I think, say, they're picking number two overall. I think they probably have, like, Robert Saleh or Arthur Smith. Yeah, I mean, immediately, whoever was going to have the number one pick, if their coaching position came available, it was going to be the hottest job on the market. So so there was the initial Urban Meyer hiring, and then he you know, started putting together his coaching staff, and we had the situation this past week with the hiring and then subsequent letting go of Chris Doyle, who was, uh, I believe, I want to say the strength and conditioning coach, uh, the, used to the, be at Iowa. Director of, uh, yeah, he was a strength and conditioning coach for Iowa, and then for a solid 36 hours, he was acting as director of sports. <laughs> All right, so I, I know kind of the gist of it, but you, can you can you give me a rundown of what, what happened there? Like what happened with the Jaguars hiring Doyle? Yeah. Yeah, no, of course. Um, I mean, Meyer, you know, mentioned that you know him and Doyle, they both worked at the University of Utah. They worked there at different times. Uh, I know Pro Football Talk had a piece out there kind of, you know, slamming Meyer for it because Meyer had said he knew him from Utah, but they worked there at two different times, and it really just looked like Maya was, you know, giving somebody who he's known for several decades another chance because, I mean, Urban Meyer, he is the, the second-chance coach, you know. I mean, if, if there's anybody who's going to give somebody with a questionable background a second chance, you know, because that they because they would give you a chance to, you know, improve your odds of winning, it's probably Meyer. And, I, I, I mean, Meyer outlined it as the reason they hired Doyle was, you know, because they were lacking in the sports performance department so much over the last few years. He mentioned injury prevention as a big reason. Uh, the Jaguars have been marred by injuries the last couple of years. So I think all of that stuff played a factor. I mean, you know, Doyle was the highest paid strength and conditioning coach at one time. So if you're looking at just his performance, he's, you know, great at what he does. But you have to wonder, you know, you, it's kind of wild that they didn't question to begin with, okay, this guy's so great. Why is he available to be hired? And, you know, the reason is, you know, it has nothing to do with, you know, really his, uh, you know, ability as a strength coach, but it has all to do with, you know, his questionable background and, uh, you know, really dozens of former Iowa players and players who are now in the NFL speaking out against his mistreatment of them. Yeah, that's, it was really, like, I think we had to see this come. I think it seemed to me like maybe you th- Urban thought that it would go under the radar. Maybe he was, you know, partly, you know, giving a second chance, but I think it was one of those things where the ownership and management thought it would go under the radar enough people wouldn't care yeah. and but I, it ended up not working out that way i i think i i honestly do think that they were prepared to kind of you know whether kind of the media backlash in the storm just because i mean they, they they wouldn't have announced you know his hire to begin with you know really the way they did if they didn't know that the reaction was going to be like that you know urban clearly you know he didn't have a good argument for why he hired him saying he's known him for so long and he's betted him even though he never said that that betting included actually talking to people from Iowa but he was prepared to defend the hire and he he defended the hire immediately after making him so I definitely think they initially thought this was something that they could weather and people would kind of you know just forget about it but I mean I I also think it's important to note that uh you know who knows what the real story is in the Jaguars official statement uh, Doyle resigned you know it doesn't say the Jaguars you know fired him or asked him for his resignation I said he was the one who was like, all right, I'm, I'm out of here. I mean, that could be just a way for both of them to save face. You know, it could be a way for Meyer to say, okay, I didn't fire a dude after 36 hours, you know, into his tenure, and instead he chose himself to leave. But at, at the end of the day, it's just hard to believe that they weren't more cognizant of the reaction that they were going to get because the entire conversation about the Jaguars over the last week has been about that when it should have been about other things. You know, I mean, he, he announced a 29, 30-person coaching staff that people have been waiting literally a month on like it, it took him 28 days to announce his coaching staff this was something people were waiting on daily and they, he just kind of deflated you know that balloon of excitement and then uh, i mean it he resigned the same night that lawrence had his pro day so that was another thing you know i mean it, any other time uh, a team's head coach you know helping a number one overall pick or the future number one pick conduct and schedule his pro day that'd be the biggest story you know on espn you know that I mean that, that that'd be major but it wasn't the conversation with the Jaguars because of the Doyle hire. It took attention away from it, and rightfully so, because it was a big misstep by the Jags. Well, as we all know, Urban Meyer is a great judge of character, so you know it's surprising to see. He really let one slip through there. Really, really shocking to see that. Yeah, uncharacteristic of him. <laughs> really. You think you know a guy. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So when it comes to the rest of the coaching staff, at least, there was some interesting hires, whether, you know, not interesting in that sort of way, but, you know, from a football sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. So I kind of I liked the uh, hires he made on defense with uh, taking Joe Cullen away from my from my Ravens. But you know, I didn't like that part of it that he was leaving the Ravens. But obviously, you know, the you know the Ravens get post of all their coaches every year, and it doesn't seem to matter. So that's that's a good thing at least uh, with hiring him. Uh, Charlie Strong on on the coaching staff, <laughs> and Chris Ash, former head coach of Rutgers, and Zachary Orr, former Ravens linebacker that retired uh, uh, at a young age. Uh, he was he was a great linebacker, honestly. So I mean, he, yeah, was, he was he had like an All Pro season or something like that, didn't he? Yeah, and immediately, you know, just after that or the year after that All Pro Pro Bowl season, had to retire due to injury. And the guy's like twenty seven years old now, something something like that. And you know, they hired him as their outside linebackers coach. I thought that was a great hire. Uh, but how how do you feel about that? But then also the hiring on. The offensive side, which looks a little more, I'm a little more skeptical of hiring Daryl Bevel as offensive coordinator and Brian Schottenheimer as the passing game coordinator. Oh. I'm, I'm actually kind of flip flop. I'm, I'm actually okay. I was more impressed by their offense hires, and that's not to say I'm skeptical or I'm unimpressed by the defense hires. I just think I, I've been a big fan of uh, Daryl Bevel's offenses with the Detroit Lions, and then Brian Schottenheimer. I know when. Seahawks hired him two years ago. You know, everybody kind of flamed them up on Twitter saying, why you're hiring this dude has always been a part of pouring offenses. But then, I mean, he helped Russell Wilson, you know, put up some of the best numbers of his career. You know, he, he tried to help Russ cook before Russ uh, burned all the <laughs> ingredients. But nonetheless, I mean, these are two guys who have led prolific and high-scoring offenses before. I mean, you wouldn't think that, you know, Daryl Bevel is somebody who's had a lot of high-scoring offenses. But I, I I wrote something. I think he's had five or six offenses that ranked in the top five in wow. terms of points scored per game during like his years as coordinator. So I was actually really impressed by those hires because they both have extensive quarterback and passing game backgrounds. And I just think that they needed somebody with those kind of backgrounds to help bring along Lauren. Uh, I know another name that was thrown up for coordinator was Scott Linehan. And I think, you know, if you're wearing Daryl Bevel versus Scott Linehan, I, I, I think most people would probably lean Bevel. That's uh, fair. De- defensively, yeah, defensively. Uh, I, I was still impressed by those hires. I think the only drawback is, you know, Coleman's a first-time defensive coordinator, so it's all going to be a little new for him. I know when Meyer was first hired, uh, you know, the notion was that people thought he would hire, like, super experienced coordinators since he has no NFL experience. Uh, that's not to say Coleman's not experienced because he's been in the NFL for literal decades or so, you know. So he knows what he's doing. It's just the fact that there's a little more projection there. But I'm with you. I, I, I thought – I'm always a fan of snatching people from, you know, good football ecosystems. Like, you know, taking people from, like, the Saints front office, uh, Baltimore's defense, you know, Kansas City's offensive coaches staff, all that kind of stuff. So I, I think taking coaches from Baltimore is a great idea. They they also got, uh, you know, he was the Ravens assistant defensive line coach, Sterling Lucas. Uh, he'll serve in the same role here. He'll actually be coaching with uh, Tosh Lupoy, you know, the former Alabama defensive coordinator. So, you know, that's an interesting pairing and uh or was one of the hires i was also most impressed by you know like you had said he he's been coaching you know basically instantly since he retired so he he's a really young guy but he already has a couple of years of coaching under his belt and when we asked colin about him on thursday he mentioned the fact that uh you know not only is he a young energetic guy but he knows the system like the back of his hand because he's coaching the system and he's playing the system and that tells me two things that tells me one that they're gonna you know really emphasize you know, familiarity with guys like Cullen and Lucas and Orr, and it tells me too, and they're probably going to be running something pretty similar to Baltimore's defense on defense. You know, they're going to have their own wrinkles, but the fact that Cullen kept saying, okay, these guys know the system already, they've been in the system, that tells me it's going to be a pretty similar type system. And then uh, the, the hire of Charlie Strong um, as inside linebackers coach, if any Jaguars position coach has a, like an easy job, you know, for, as easy as a job can be in the NFL, it's probably Charlie Strong because, I mean, Miles Jack and Joe Schobert are two of the better players on the Jaguars roster. Oh, yeah. uh, they're a really solid linebacker duo. Uh, so, you know, it's not like he's stepping into, you know, it's not like he's a defensive line coach. He's stepping into a position that's just completely devoid of talent. He has pieces to work with. And I, I thought it was interesting, though, that he's also going to be the assistant head coach uh, despite not having any NFL experience. I'm interested to see 
uh, really how that goes. But And then my last note on the coaching staff, I, what I thought was interesting was they added a couple guys who I think can be like in-house replacements down the road for like coordinator spots. Like say somebody's really impressed by Daryl Bevel or Joe Cullen and, you know, they, they hire them as a head coaching role or something like that. Uh, you got young guys like you got young guys like Zach Warren's defense, you know, and then on offense you have young guys like Tyler Bowen, the tight ends coach, who was who's 30 years old and you know was just a star assistant coach for Penn State. So I really thought that he put together a good staff. Uh, I, I mean, to be frank, he put together a better staff than I thought he would. I, I did not think his staff would be this strong, and I think if he didn't make the mistake of hiring Doyle for the short time they did, I think that'd be the conversation. But uh, it, it isn't. It isn't, and rightfully so. How about that? Yeah. The Jaguars moving up in the world. Yeah. I don't know about Charlie Strong, though. I'm not too confident about that. I mean, see what he do with those five-star recruits at Texas? I mean, geez. Yeah. More like Charlie Week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But anyway, uh, what, so there's, that's the coaching. Uh, where do you stand on, you know, how this roster shakes out right now and what's, like, sort of what you're hoping to see with the roster moves in the offseason and how – it currently, if it stands in terms of uh, helping Trevor Lawrence's success, because obviously, you know, number one pick sort of in the bag. They have an extra first round pick from the Rams that they could they can use, and I assume they have a good bit of cap space. So they have a lot of, but they also yeah. have a lot of holes on the roster. It's one of those like you know they can kind of go a lot of directions here in this offseason. So what are what are you hoping for, and what do you kind of see uh, from Trevor Lawrence's rookie year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when people ask me to list the team needs for the Jaguars this offseason, I've kind of had the approach that it's so much easier to list what they don't need. And that's like inside linebacker, you know, the two guys I mentioned a minute ago, uh, running back, James Robinson, phenomenal. And then they're good on the interior O-line. Everything else, you can assume they need. You know, like you know, like Josh Allen and Caleb Von Chase are two uh, really talented edge players. But you need more than two good edge rushers, especially in this defense, as you guys you know, probably know, especially you, Dylan. And yeah. then uh, I, I just think overall, like, if anybody thinks that the Jaguars are, you know, a quarterback away or that they're just Trevor Lawrence away from competing, uh, they're just wrong and they're off base because this roster, you know, for lack of a better word, as, as it stands today, it just it, it kind of stinks. You know, I mean, it's a 1-15 in 15 roster. It's the youngest roster in the NFL. There's not a lot of established talent. You know, there's a lot of potential all over it, but they need work really all over the board. I think uh, – Secondary is probably where they need, you know, the most help. Secondary and the interior defensive line are both just, you know, messes. They have some, you know, intriguing young players like Devon Hamilton, Doug Costin, and C.J. Henderson, but there's more holes than they have, uh, you know, solid starters at this position. And then offensively, I I, I just – I'd imagine they're going to try to attack and try to get some kind of playmaker, you know, for Lawrence this offseason because, you know, they have some playmakers in-house and Robinson and D.J. Chark. LaVisca Chenault, uh, Colin Johnson had a really good rookie season. But they need more. You know, every offense needs more. I mean, we just saw, you know, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes enter their games in the Super Bowl with a plethora of weapons. And that's what the Jaguars, I believe, need to do to surround Lawrence, whether that's going after a guy like Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith or going after a Kenny Galladay who played for Daryl Bevel, uh, Allen Robinson, the former Jazz receiver, who actually said this week that he'd be open to returning to Jacksonville because – money talks, and I'm assuming because Tom Coughlin is not there anymore. And then um, <laughs> also, uh, I, I think Curtis Samuel, you know, a former Urban Meyer guy at Ohio yeah. State, I think he could be a sneaky addition for them just because of Meyer's uh, familiarity with him and the fact that they kind of need that twitchy speed guy uh, in the slot. So they have some pieces around uh, Lawrence right now. Like I said, they, their center and guard spots are, are you know, passable. I, I would say they're even good after last year. They have a couple receivers and a running back in-house, but they still need more help around Lawrence, and they need to completely revamp the defense. Like I said, they have more holes on defense than they have established starters right now. Yeah, if I'm the Jaguars going into this year, I pretty much just say we're going to keep Trevor Lawrence healthy, we're going to get a good pick, and then next year we'll see what we can do. Uh, You saw the Chargers somewhat, maybe it was a, they kind of worked their way around to it, but Herbert looked good, stayed pretty healthy lost a lot of games i think that's what you want to do the Bengals, on the other hand they, Bur- they burrow looked good they were on the right track they were losing but he looked good and he got hurt i they, think they if you forgot keep, the keep him healthy part yes yes there's two parts of it and they they just blundered one of them 
Uh, I think if the Jags yeah. keep Trevor Lawrence healthy, they're on the and right track. You'd rather keep them healthy than like win year one too. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, definitely. So let's see, Ryan, you have any anything else to add or ask of our friend John here? Uh, how you feel about the New York Knicks this year? Looking good, right? <laughs> and uh, if, if you're asking me, I don't watch basketball. Oh <laughs> man, I can assure you, the Knicks probably do not look good. Is, is this the rare year where, where they turn it where they turn it around? Listen, man, six seed right now. All right, six Where's in the, the East. Wow. Julius Randle, MVP candidate, in my opinion. Put up 44 last that night. That Julius Randle? That Julius Randle. That Julius Randle. Well, He's great. Averaging about 23 and 11. See, I, I know enough basketball. Like, I, I know who all the players are, you know, and I, I watch the playoffs start. The regular season, I'm just – Yeah, I, yeah I'm the same way, honestly. Like, it's hard for me to track a sport if I don't have a vested interest in it. And NBA is kind of like that for me. But I will talk all day about how the Cubs, Chicago Cubs are a sham of an organization. Oh man! And how they won one World Series in 100 years and then decided to flush flush it down the tubes. I, I, I can talk about that all night long. Oh, don't I, get me started about bad baseball teams. Even though yeah, I prefer well, not to. Yeah, John, we're gonna have to cut you off. We don't talk about baseball in this program. Yeah. All right. What do you mean, man? Orioles are great. Yeah, the uh, Orioles. Yeah, the Orioles. Their uh, you know their <laughs> salary this year is just barely over one million dollars yeah. for did the you, whole team. Did you see so. uh, the odds that came out today for, that uh, MLB? Uh, I want to say MLB.com tweeted was, uh, out yes, on their it was page. Those via the, fan graphs, yes, yes, via fan graphs. Yeah. Playoff the percentage chance that each team will make the playoffs. You know, you had your Yankees up at ninety one percent. Dodgers and Padres were up around you know high eighties, low nineties, and then you had your Pittsburgh Pirates, 0.4% chance. Rockies, 0.1% chance. Then you had the Baltimore Orioles sitting at 0.0%. Just no <laughs> shot at making the playoffs, apparently. Which, uh, it's right. I mean, the si- it's the math and the science is is solid there. They've been eliminated. <laughs> you, you know how confident you have to be in something, like especially like analytically, to give it 0% zero chance. Happen, chance. You know? like, 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 it's just such a difference from 1%, because at least then like you have a cop-out where like, you're like, Oh well, I said there was a you know a small chance of it happening. You know the the Nate Silver method, method if you may. That's Orioles magic for you, baby. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the Rockies though. Point one percent chance. They got they're a hanging shot. in there. They got a shot. Listen, they're in the hunt. Their magic number is one hundred and sixty-two. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, John Shipley of Jaguar Report affiliate of Sports Illustrated with us on the program tonight. Uh, go ahead and plug whatever it is you need to plug, John. You have you have the airwaves. Yeah, no, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, you know, I've known Dylan. Uh, we've known each other for years, and for all the listeners, uh, Dylan does a great job with the show, and he's a great guy. And, you know, they're, they're, you couldn't ask for, you know, anyone better, really, you know, to be kind of running the ship, you know, him, him and Ryan both. And uh, uh, you can follow me at underscore John underscore Shipley. Uh, if you want to read the stuff I write, uh, it's at Jaguar Report on Twitter or it's si.com slash NFL slash Jaguars. We normally do a few things a day. Uh, there'll be the occasional day that's low. Like today, I think we have just two things up, and one of those is like a news story, and that's just because, I mean, we I, I deserve my breaks too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you for the kind words, John. I, I see that the Venmo went through. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, the, it, the check Checks cleared. Yeah, good. All right. Thank you, John. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all. Have a good night. Thanks. John Shipley, everybody. Yeah. Great guest. How about that? Definitely in the the top two, three guests we ever had. Definitely. I mean, what's the where's the bar set there? (laughs) I mean, we don't need to talk about that. If you've listened to this show enough to know who we're putting him up against, you know what we're talking about. He uh used complete sentences. That's that's a big start. That puts you in like the top four immediately. Yeah, automatically. Um, he had clear thoughts. That's top two probably, and uh, made our jobs pretty easy. Which I guess that's the best. Yeah, I mean, generally our guests make our job much harder. But tonight yeah, we usually have to work around them. I know he's given good information. He's informed. Yeah. I mean, geez. gave us a lot of time. Burnt a lot of time for us. We don't have to you know talk crap for. Too long. Yeah. Forget, you know, journalist guys, you know. (laughs) They've been around. They know how to talk. I know. Journalists, they know things, apparently. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. All right. So, yeah, highly disputed here on WSHC Shepherdstown, the voice of Shepherd University, going into the regular 
programming here. Uh, it's a big week. It's been a big week. Uh, I think we'll let's see what we got here on the on the agenda. Uh, Russell Wilson apparently wants to be not traded, but he wants more say in uh, the decisions that will lead to him not being on the ground every <laughs> every five minutes, every two every two snaps. JJ Watt has been cut by the Texans. Yeah, uh, apparently seriously considering the Cleveland Browns as an option. Uh, Orlando Brown has requested a trade from the Ravens. Uh, That's yeah. Blake, Gr- hey, basketball. Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are being held out until until they're either traded or bought out. Right. And the Knicks. How about the Knicks? The Knicks. Oh my gosh, three game winning streak. They're sitting pretty in the East. Let me tell you. Uh huh. I mean, the six seed. The right? six seed sitting pretty. That's what. It, that's where it's gone with the Knicks. They're very Knicks fans. Very excited about the six seed. I mean, I've, I haven't seen them look. Emmanuel this good quickly, and, right? Emmanuel quickly. I mean, rookie of the year candidate. He's he's not going to win, but you know he's definitely top six in that. Sure. Yeah. 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 Why not? Thank you, Julius Randle MVP. You never know. Yeah, I think we'll get into that stuff in a little bit here. But the big news of the week for me, at least, and I think it it was for you. You probably don't know. What, you probably guess eventually what I'm leading into. Uh, we are here, WSHC Shepherdstown, a uh, radio station here. On Shepherd University's campus in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, and D two sports for the last uh, eleven months have been stagnant, non-existent. You know, there have been the occasional, you know, here and there schools going out on their own, but in general, conferences have canceled play because the schools can't really afford the COVID testing to be able to play. Uh, regular schedule or anything reminiscing a regular schedule but ryan stickle on this day february 16th 2021 we have shepherd sporting events to talk about finally right it's been so long i mean i wasn't even born last time we talked about it no (laughs) it's been years it really has so i think I, I noticed this uh, like a week or two ago that the spring seasons just had not been canceled yet for Shepard. Yeah. So, and I, I think that's a very strategic move here because I don't think they want to be, tr- they're trying their hardest not to have to give these baseball players and lacrosse players a second free year of eligibility, basically. Right. These kids will be t- twenty-seven years old out there playing college like, baseball. Look like a, every every school look like BYU. <laughs> but Brandon, yeah, Brandon Whedon vibes. Every, everyone's every, everyone's a whole team of Brandon Whedons. Oh Jesus! How about yeah? What that team look like? National <laughs> champs. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I noticed this about a week or two ago. It's like uh, it was just somewhere on campus, and I. I heard an employee talking to, I want to say, either a lacrosse player or a softball player say, you know, hey, your guy's a schedule or whatever. And she was like, yeah, you're not really letting any fans at the games. But I was like, I was like hold on, wait a minute, time out, time out. <laughs> These games are happening. Alleged, now, allegedly. Now, in a panoramic, you know. <laughs> but whatever, we, we've gone so far past the point of talking about should games be happening or not they're gonna happen yeah unfortunately if the if if it can be afforded money wise to happen sporting events and everything are going to happen right and we just kind of have to push past that point and move past it yeah so those seasons starts but then also the sport we care about basketball (laughs) basketball i'm sorry i said we don't talk about baseball i was true i was telling the truth uh there will be two Shepherds women's basketball games specifically. I did. Did you see anything about the men's the men's teams playing at all? No, I haven't seen anything. So I don't know what that's about. So I mean, it, like generally, I mean, generally they play the same teams back to back. Right. Anyway, so at it least during be, conference play, it could be different because of all this. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe the men's team just decided they didn't want to, or I wouldn't. Doubt it. I mean, that could come from the coaches. You know, I mean, you just never know. Coach Namalik does seem like the uh, the type to have uh, put that put that word in and say we're not going to play. Yeah, if I had to guess, but it's hard to know for certain. But the team that we probably talked about on the show the most, the Shepherd Women's Basketball Team, will have two games 
uh, coming up uh, February 27th mm-hmm. and March 9th, I believe. Yes. So, first of all, such a shock to the system that this is happening at all. But let's pull this up real quick. Let's pull this up. <laughs> yeah, this is really uh, – when I saw it, I couldn't believe it because I just assumed, so, you know, the seasons are like just – you know, they might get some workouts in and then yeah. move on to next year. Yeah. So I assume there will be some family members let into the building to watch these games. But also there will be 150 uh, names put on the list for people, for students to be randomly drawn from to be allowed into the building for each game. You know, masks required and all of that. But it's very shocking to me that that is happening at all. Yeah. So, And also according to the Shepherd website... um. The women's team will be traveling to Liberty for an exhibition game. Liberty, the Liberty University, D one school what? for an exhibition, February twenty first. That's not that's not horribly uncommon. Exhibitions like D one schools are just fine. You know, D two schools and they play and it'll be a blowout, but they just they get some work in. Uh, the twenty seventh, they'll play Southern Virginia here in Shepherdstown. That'd be five p.m. Then March fourth, they go to Southern Virginia. Okay, so that, this is actually more than I've realized. They yes, have an exhibition game and then four games. They're playing home yeah, and home homes against these two teams. Yep. And so IUP will be here March 9th, and then they will travel to IUP that Saturday, the 13th. All right. Well, this isn't something I thought we were going to be able to talk about on this show. Well, let's uh, man, let's look forward to these games real quick. Uh, yeah. Talk about the, t- the team. Uh, it's mostly the team coming back from last year. Uh, they've only lost one senior in... Anna Ross, if I do remember correctly, yes, the, the backup center, which kind of is a big loss because uh, she was all their size, right? Sid Clayton, our you know, the great uh, center for, on this team. I guess if you want to call her center, power forward, or whatever, you know, f- most of the size and inside scoring on this team and rebounding. So her backup was gone, and if I look at the roster here, has been replaced either by a freshman. Or a transfer. Look down this list here. I'm not seeing anything. So maybe maybe they just haven't replaced them. Yeah, you just don't. Her. Yeah, it's hard to tell what's being updated on the schedule. Even if the freshmen will play or transfers will play this season, yeah. you just, so I just don't know what the rules if, are. If that is the case, we're looking at either we're looking at either. You know, I don't believe Teresia Henderson is healthy enough to play this year. No. Uh, Kara, Kara Miner, who was sort of a stretch four last year, uh, might have to be playing the backup center minutes. So big time small ball there. She, you know, she was missed some of the year last year with a you know rotator cuff or labrum injury in her arm, shoulder area. Yeah. So and she's you know she's not big. She's very very much the the idea of a stretch four, mm-hmm. you know, power forward. Uh, she's not a rebounder and inside defender unless something has changed over the this off season, this twelve month layoff that I don't know about. Yeah, they'll generally go to her for some shooting on the outside from that position. That's that's yeah. kind of that's kind of what she does. She'll come out, she'll play hard on defense, but yeah. yeah, rebounding anything like that, that's just kind of out of her range. Yeah. So the two the two freshmen added to this team are Mackenzie Freeze from Rockingham, Virginia, Spotswood. Uh, Madison Mertz from Morgansville, Maryland, from North Hagerstown. Yeah, how about that? Local. They are both uh, guards, five five and five eight. So that's definitely, you know, can't see them getting much playing time this year, considering the two of the best three players on the team are playing those, you know, point guard, shooting guard positions. When Abby Beeman and Marley McLaughlin. Yeah, Abby and Marley. Abby especially was at a point she was just playing every minute of every yes. game. Um, she's pretty good at staying out of foul trouble. Marley probably would play similar minutes, uh, but she would tend to get into more foul trouble. I imagine for now these freshmen will just give them breathers when needed because they were visibly tired near the end of games and near the end of the season. Uh, these players are just more visibly tired, um, just looking more run down. Uh, but just I think just because of the fact they're going to play five games, I, I guess we'll see. You know, it is they, they don't count really. This year, it's um, not it's, like the the record is going to matter for anything. The like record that. won't really matter, so you know maybe the you freshman, could say that's an argument for why you play why are you playing the games at all. But 
Yeah, yeah. We'll look uh, past that. You know, I guess just to get them some reps. I, I don't know, but uh, we'll see. I'm interested to see how the they work in different players in the lineup, or if they're just gonna just go for it. You know. Yeah, I actually um, talked to Hannah Myers the other day, and she said that it kind of it gives them a. Per- they are practicing. They have been practicing this basically this entire time. Yeah. Through the fall and the winter and now into the spring and she said that it kind of you know makes it feel like there's a purpose to why they're practicing so right i guess in that sense they i do believe the shepherds student athletes are getting tested more often than the general student population just not to the extent that perhaps would be required for them to have an entire season yeah so compared to what the division 1 schools are doing yes and the school did announce they will be allowing 150 students into the game via a student lottery, which is really funny. There's a student lottery for a school this small. You generally associate that with bigger schools where there's thousands and thousands of students requesting a ticket. Right. And some of them get it. Some of them don't. Um, So to see it here is really funny to me. Just had to email Andy Ferguson and (laughs) request your ticket. Yeah. That's really request to be put on the list for the ticket. Be, be put on the list for the lottery. I'm really interested. If there's to see. over 150, it will be a list to potentially get in. Yeah, but yes, if there isn't 150, it'll be the list. So under regular circumstances, I would say there's probably not going to be 150 students at a game. That is true. But because of the circumstances, I don't know how many people are just desperate to get to a game that's what or I was looking thinking. for anything to do because how much is there to do on campus that you can go to now there's nothing nothing so it's very i was very intrigued by that idea is the 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 layoff from not having any sporting events to go to going to drive up the demand for to get on this list yes or is the fact that you know there's a pandemic happening, and, and there, you have to wear a mask and be distanced from everybody. Is that going to say people, why, why would I go to a basketball game? And there are two games, and uh, if you do not make it to the first game after requesting so, uh, you'll be put, you'll be bumped up on the list for the second. People who make it to the first game will be put to the bottom of the list for the second game. So realistically, if so many people request it, you could have 300 different students attending yes. games. Yes. So I'm, I'm just really interested to see... Um, you know, I mean, it's a matter of word getting around. I imagine words getting around. There's going to be a basketball game, um, because you know sure. how many events are there, and people like basketball games. People like the women's yeah. basketball games. They know people know on campus the women's team is good. Um, so I'm just I'm interested to see what that's going to look like. Yeah, generally the events that do happen on campus in person in like a safe like outside distance way, they get a solid amount of attendance. Not obviously. There's less people on campus in general right right now. But the people that are here, it's like they'll hear about something and say, yeah, I'll go out, get out of my room. Basically, if you're here on campus, you're just in your room right. going out, going you can to somewhere on campus to get a meal and then come back to your room, especially now that it's cold and you can't really yeah. sit out in the dining areas because it's 30 degrees or less. Yeah, you can barely get out of your room for a class now. I mean, you're just you're sitting on your computer oh, I, yeah. inside. so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I imagine if I had to guess, they will have 150 students at the game. It'd just be, you know, how many people would miss out potentially, yeah. and how many people may potentially get to go to both of them. Yeah, if you get 200 people to sign up, you know, mm-hmm. you get 150 at the first one, and then 50 of those people get to, you know, go to the second one. Right. So, it should be interesting. Um, yeah, it's just it's things are just so unpredictable these days. So, all we can do is. Look ahead. Yeah. Um, it'll be fun to see the team. I mean, I imagine coming out. I mean, they haven't played competitive basketball in a year. Yes. So literally, I, a I year. imagine that you know the exhibition, <laughs> especially against the Liberty, they're playing a D one team in I an did exhibition. Not know about that. That is very interesting. Uh, it's at least on the schedule. I mean, I believe it. Yeah. So, um, but those it's just hard to you know come out and get in any type of rhythm against yeah. that. That's basically their paying shepherd to come and say hey we need we need bodies but we're not trying to face anything tough so come out and play i know shepherd the men played wvu maybe five or six years ago in an exhibition basketball game before the season started Mm -hmm. um so we'll see what they look like coming out in that first game and see if they can develop anything you know i mean at the very least develop some chemistry with the freshmen so they can contribute next year yeah yeah so the thing i'm most interested in is actually, you know, it's a lot of times an X factor of a team will be this, you know, a role player. I think one of the biggest things this year, and I did not know, you know, I found this out firsthand 
was that I think, you know, Abby Beeman obviously last year came on the scene. Freshman was th- top 30 in Division Two in points scored, maybe even top 20. It might have been like 18th, 19th. Right. And then third in the country in assists as well. Just the country. <laughs> Not the conference. No. Not the conference in freshman. In Division Two, the entirety of yes. Division Two across the nation. So she played the entire year with, I want to say, you can go back, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, you can go back to an old episode and find out where I said this originally. But I want to say it was a it was a torn ligament in her leg. Yes. Like in her knee. And mm-hmm. she played she said she heard it during uh be- before the season, practicing before the season, played the entire season with it. I want to say torn meniscus was what what Might was what right. it was. We're not for sure. We're not giving allegedly or or the, yes. speculatively. We this just can't remember. First, this, we know this happened. Yeah, this happened. The particular muscle or ligament it was can't remember. Go back and find the the episode. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, if you really care, yes, you will find so, it. So a totally healthy Abby Beeman leading the way. Now a sophomore, and I swear, I've. This girl has grown. I swear, she's got to be a couple inches taller. She was five foot four. She's still listed as five foot four. Oh yeah. I don't believe that anymore. Wow. I think she's at least five six. That's scary. It's like Giannis. Giannis did that when he came into the NBA. Yeah. He was six nine, grew to six eleven. Yeah. KD grew. Yeah. Didn't but did not want to be listed any higher as the chairs shift. In That's the, true. In yeah. KD's actually like seven one. Yeah. But he's like, no, I don't want to be called a seven footer because Kevin Durant's weird. You would want to be called a seven footer, yeah. Because then, look how great this seven footer can shoot the basketball. Yeah, but it's KD. We, I, uh, I give up on him. Who knows? Who knows? So that's going to be very interesting. Uh, we digress. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk more along the way. I'm sure. Hopefully, these games don't end up getting postponed or canceled, which is def- definitely possible. Very possible. I mean, we're still uh, two weeks away, week and a half away, basically from the first game. And the next game is, you know, close to a month away still. Yeah. Home games, at least. So, yeah. yeah. yeah I say I say that I, I hope they don't get postponed or canceled, meaning that, you know, I hope everything is pulled off safely. Yes, everyone's healthy. Obviously, like, games probably shouldn't be happening, but yeah. that's whatever. I'll be They're going to happen. I hope it happens safely. Yeah, I'll be interested to see the seating arrangements. What they do for the butcher center? Very interesting. Um, yeah. Because there imagine, is no, there aren't assigned seats typically. It's just bleachers. Yeah, it's just bleachers. You sit wherever. Even the, the actual seats, the chairs, um, it's not reserved for anybody. You just yeah. sit wherever. Um, so I imagine the students. It'll be like here's a student section, but you better spread out. Or if you know, come in with somebody, you can sit next to them, but keep your mask on. Mandatory yeah. the whole time. No food sales. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess the family. They get family tickets anyway, so their families don't have to pay to come to the games. Right. I imagine they'll get something similar to that. Um, you figure, what, like ten players on the roster, maybe? Give the co- two yeah. give two coaches, give them five tickets each. Sure, still not much. I mean, Butcher Center holds a lot. They have extra bleachers that, that you never see them put out because they don't need them. They might even put those out just to really spread people out, keep it as safe they as could. possible. So yeah, there there is. Maybe this is a little controversial to take here, but there's this idea of, like, why would you go to a sporting event in a pandemic? I'm sorry. If I'm, like, by myself or with my family or people that I'm already normally around and the next closest person to me is 10 feet away and I have a mask on they have a mask on, that that is safe. It's that, safe. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's my thing with, like, how baseball and like this can be so it many. It can be done. The the big thing to worry about would be are these players getting tested enough to where there's yes. a guarantee that this game happening is not going to spread COVID between the two teams. When it comes to people being there, if people are if there's the right capacity on it, right, and people are do you know do whatever, that part is not the issue of it. I think we just went through an entire NFL college football season. Obviously. There were, you know, rises in cases in these communities. Yes. No one was ever able to tie that back to fans going to games. Yeah. And, like, s- and some stadiums, particularly a lot of SEC teams, filled the stadiums way too much visibly on TV. It was yes. just like, yes. Peop- and there, yes. A lot of times it was, yes, we're only going to have 25% capacity. So we're going to have 10,000 people instead of 40,000 people. Then you would have all 10,000 of those people right next to each other. In the lower bowl. And the, the, upper, the upper decks would be empty. They have tarps on them or something. It's yeah. ridiculous. 
Um, I just didn't understand places that said no fans at all. Why, if you have a massive stadium that can hold forty thousand people, can you oh, not yeah. let in like a thousand, even uh, a thousand? Like even, I mean, listen, if you're done. that scared, two hundred fans, you know, yeah, have some giveaway, some sweepstakes. You say you get a ticket for yourself. You get you know five people in your pod because they kind of keep them mm-hmm. in pods or sections, and you, you, they're scattered, but it's people can see the games. I don't see why you need to keep out everybody yeah the fans aren't the issue here when done right yeah. it's the it's the players it's the coaches even broadcasters yeah, in we some just, cases we had uh john we just had john shipley on the program here uh with about the jaguars uh tony khan the son of the jaguars owner shad khan is the owner of all elite wrestling in and they've been running shows every week for the entire pandemic uh, in Jacksonville, and for the last few months or so, they've been letting a small number of fans, up to maybe a thousand or so, in the building. And when you see it on TV, not uh, you can see they're all spread out. You know, uh, people the camera sometimes catches people putting their masks down, which is you know obviously not what you want. But it's interesting in a in a place you know there's cameras everywhere. It's right. one thing if you're at a Shepherd basketball game and you pull your mask down for a little bit. Yeah, was, nobody's really. You might be in the background of a photo, but to be in a big arena with something on national TV, cameras everywhere. I don't know why you'd even. You just expose yourself. Yeah, you're revealing more of your face while doing something that's off limits. Yeah. So, but yeah, you're like Tony Khan has everyone that everyone that's you know on the sh- that show every week tested. You know, I. At least the day that they show up, I believe they do at-home tests on the days before they show up in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. everything like that. You have your fans in the stands spread out. That's how you're going to do this safely for the next, you know, they you've been doing it for almost a year. That's how you're going to do it for a while. Yeah. You know, it can be done. It's you know, it's obviously not 100% safe, but. Yes, yeah, so the safest option is nobody, but yeah. you can do it. Safe. If everyone the rule, it's the first is the rules, then it's everyone cooperates. Yeah, and everyone that part's a little is, more is iffy, the tough part. Yes. So, yeah, but it yeah. can be done. I mean, I've heard people say like going to sporting events that are properly done. It's you, you feel totally safe. Yeah, it's like when you go to a, a big restaurant and they have a bunch of tables marked off. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, you're indoors, but you're so spread out. I mean, it's outdoor arenas that are, you're spread out from people. I mean, it's Keep your mask on. There's really no reason to right. fear that. Like you and I, you and I have worked at Lowe's and Dick Sporting Goods over the last few months, and that is, you know, a hundred. That's going to be a hundred times more uh, unsafe yeah. <laughs> than if the two of us were to go to the Butcher Center to watch a women's basketball game. Yes, that's another. Maybe that, that's another like. conversation about. Why that that has to be done, but whatever. Yeah, that's another topic for another show. <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing: if I'm, you know, me and you s- sitting in our usual spots at the front row of the the butcher center, maybe make the don't make the two of us sit six feet apart. Yeah, I'm sure with our masks on. But if it's, you know, we're not going to have a peep anyone around us. Mm-hmm. The closest also, thing that'll happen. I also imagine the uh, first few rows on the bleacher side will be blocked off that's true uh they do not want so that the, the maskless a... athletes should not be near the uh <laughs> the patrons i was gonna say i was gonna say the closest thing that could happen is someone diving for a loose ball and getting getting in our face right yeah because i mean it when someone inbounds the ball at a particular point i can reach out and touch them from where i sit it's that close yeah. so i imagine they'll push it back a little bit it'll be all right yeah we don't need marley mclaughlin breathing on us uh, <laughs> after a, a loose ball no i don't need anyone breathing on me no, anywhere ever please no <laughs> all right so that's that we've only got a couple minutes left we spend a good bit of time on that this is like a two topic show that's very it's very uncharacteristic for i us. know i feel like we did a one topic show once but i cannot remember what it was we spent basically an hour COVID? was it covid was our our last show before we left it might have been yeah i think you're right actually because, yeah because well, we spent ended. the second half of that show talking about what espn would look like with no sports alone yeah that was basically the same thing that was a, a dark period I turn on CBS on Sunday in like the summertime, and it'd be like, "Here's March Madness from 1986." <laughs> it's like, it's like, why should I care? Like, 
And then all the commercials that they would air in between. It's like during these unprecedented times. Oh my gosh. We get yeah, I know. Yeah. They'd re air the game. I can't leave my I can't leave my house. I know. <laughs> There's nothing they could have shown there that would get my attention. Yeah. It could be I like, kept saying every time I'd be like, Well, I don't want to see this. Why? I I know what's ha- what is this gonna do for me? Yeah. Yeah. Thank I mean, you, Toyota. You know coronavirus exists. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you for paying money to put your ad on a game that's been seen. I can Google this game and know the outcome and all the stats. I just, I don't get it. You could put a game from the West Virginia Final Four on TV, and I'm not going to watch it. It all just became ESPN Classic. It did. ESPNU. ESPNU just likes to show old college football games all the time. Right. The Longhorn Network half the time is just the 2005 Rose Bowl. That's all they show. Yeah. They, 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 They buy out space. Man, the Longhorn Network. That's a topic one day if we're ever bored. Yeah. That that's oh that was God. part of the reason there was conference realignment is the Longhorn Network. Yeah. They wanted a Big Twelve network and Texas got their own. And so, you know, Nebraska, Texas A and M said, Bye. Because that's money. You get a Big Twelve network, that's so much money. Yeah. And now we have a proper ACC network, SEC network, Pac twelve, Big Ten. They all have their own. But the Big Twelve Is the Pac twelve network a proper network? Oh well. <laughs> I know where to find it. Do you? At my house. Tell me, please. Um <laughs> I believe it's one of the few. Dish Channel 412, maybe? 410? Yeah, I remember, I, remember uh, I had it on Dish Network for a while. Yeah. But then, like, 80% of people, I feel like, can't find it. Yeah, there was a while I had the Pac-12 network, but it said the Big Ten network. I was out of their region. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I got it all now. We're doing good. Yeah. I'm never home, though, so. Yeah. That's another t- another topic we have to talk about is... uh college football video games talk uh coming back oh not with the ncaa branding it's ea sports college football yeah so we have to that'll be something let's see how they screw it up sometime it's gonna it's just gonna disappoint oh definitely you see how madden has regressed in the last seven years i watched a uh i found a video on youtube one day it was a good hour long and it said i'm gonna talk about features that were in madden in in about oh five oh six and that they are not in now it was an hour long and he was rapidly going through features I was like, wow, I'm glad I don't buy that game. I'm not glad that I buy that game. <laughs> I'll buy 2K, though. It's still pretty good. Yeah, it is. Just got GTA Five for the Xbox One, finally. You just did. Yeah, I had it on 360 for a while, but my 360's kind of going kaput. My controllers weren't... Controllers oh, weren't, man. I put fresh batteries in the controller. It just, just doesn't turn on, so... I'm waiting for my Xbox One to go kaput. Mm. I'm surprised it hasn't already. I mean, the new system's out. You know, you start to get that planned obsolescence in there. Oh, yeah. We love planned obsolescence. We love it. I mostly use it for just watching TV shows. I barely play games. Yeah. Don't I only play Madden and 2K now. That's like, that's, like, that's like all I do now. It's yeah. a sad life. That's sports talk. Madden, 2K. Yeah. Sports video games. It's a good place to end the show, I guess. Sure, yeah. Oh, run so it's, oh, it's good to rerun out of Steam at 8.59. It's a good time to run. Every now and then it's like nine oh two and we're we're in the middle. I'm like, ah. Yeah. No, good ending point tonight. Yeah. Good guest. All Solid right. show. Yeah. It's high, that's been highly disputed here on WSHC Shepherdstown, the voice of Shepherd University. My name is Dylan Bishop. This has been Ryan Stickle over here. You can't see him, I'm pointing at him. <laughs> that's Ryan Stickle over there. Uh we'll see you next week. Maybe. You never know. With this weather. Thank <laughs> you.